Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week on Theron P. It was squats and margaritas. You know it as such. But when is the last time I talked about fitness? And I barely drink anymore. Theron P. was a natural evolution of this show. I may not have any letters next to my name. I'm not a professional, but I am recovered from two eating disorders. I'm navigating divorce, sobriety. I'm on a personal growth journey. I deal with body image noise. It's everything you talk about in therapy, just without the bill. This week on Therapy, it's Gina Kirschenheider. You know her from the Real Housewives of Orange County. She went through a very public divorce. She is navigating co-parenting with her ex. They're both in new relationships. And I too am smack in the middle of divorce. And Gina straight up life coached me through this episode. There are so many gems, especially if you are navigating a divorce, co-parenting. We talked for so long that I made it two parts. Next week, you can tune in for her sobriety journey and mine. But right now, let's get into part one of Therapy with Gina Kirschenheider. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. I was always calculating calories and macros. And when I just calmed the F down, I found my physical ideal. Am I addicted to moderate drinking? You're very subtly admitting powerlessness and unmanageability right here alive. And I'm proud yeah. of you. That's beautiful. Did you struggle with actual eating disorders? Anorexia and bulimia. Um, oh, thank you for saying for me, that. Katie Couric, nothing screws up a kid more than having a parent on top of that kid all the time. Kenya Moore. Before I take a shower, I would always step on scale. And I saw my daughter starting to do that. Like, she doesn't know how to even read the numbers, but yeah. she saw me doing it. Actress Melissa Joan Hart. I remember the first time I was told I could be a movie star if I was lost 10 pounds when I weighed 103. Pinky Cole. Were you high when you came up with the name? I was very high. <laughs> this is Therapy. This week, Gina Kirschenheider. You know her from The Real Housewives of Orange County on Bravo. She's also a realtor. She hosts a podcast. She owns a beauty product line and is currently raising six kids. Who better to have here to talk about balancing all the things? I am sober curious. I am on the journey. I haven't found sobriety. I know that Gina has. I want to talk about her journey to sobriety She's also dating after divorce. She is co-parenting and I am doing some of that. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a divorce. We are co-parenting. Can't even think about dating. She's one of my favorite housewives. I watch all the franchises. Cannot wait to talk to her today. Please do me a quick favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please take two seconds, just real quick, Run on over to Apple Podcasts if that's not where you're listening and leave me a quick review. Here is my episode with Gina Kirschenheider. Hi, Gina. Hey, Erin. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> okay. You were like 
squats and margaritas. Why in the hell am I here? Because I know you're not a huge workout girl and you don't drink. Don't do either of those. <laughs> I actually used to be a huge workout girl. I'll be honest, huge. Like was, I've always been an athlete growing up and always like I was a gym rat. And when I had prior to the show, when my kids were little, you know, it was like, okay, how old do they have to be to get into the daycare? And I was like, there. So like, I understand the gym warrior mentality. I just no longer subscribe to it. But I think honestly, I have been just saying to Travis, like, like health is still important to me. And like, obviously, because I stopped drinking, like that was my contribution, big contribution to my health. But, you know, after a while of not really eating healthy and not working out, even if you make a, a healthy shift, like not drinking, it's you start to feel it. So I have been New Year's resolution thinking I got to do something. I reached out to you. You probably don't remember like a year ago. And I was like, I'm struggling. I don't know how to stop drinking. And you wrote back, start by stopping. And I was like, well, <sighs> that's not really working for me. I actually do remember that. I yeah, have an update that we were supposed to do this in December and you, you rescheduled and just yeah. the timing of that. I'm looking at my nose from December and I was like, how in the hell I don't, I feel deprived all these things. But as we're recording this on January 16th, I am 16 days alcohol free and wow. I've never done that. <laughs> and I know it's like, oh, way to go. 16 days. Honestly, I would always have a glass incredible. of wine with dinner. Thank you. So right. I have a new perspective on it. Again, it's only 16 days. I don't know where that journey is going to go. And I want to get into it. Um, I also in the, in the middle of a divorce and I'm co-parenting. So I want to talk to you about all those things. A um, little bit of housewives thrown in. If you want to spill some tea, you are very <laughs> welcome to at any point, but okay. <laughs> that's why you're here today. I'll do my um, best. Aaron. Okay. <laughs> so you grew up in Long Island, I'm sure being yeah. A real housewife of Orange County was not really on the radar, um, but you moved all. there for your ex-husband's job. And how mm -hmm. long were you living there before you got cast? Like a year and a half. Okay. I need yeah. to know about the process of casting because I talked to Jackie Goldschneider from New Jersey and she was like, I got a DM from a casting director and it was like, as easy as that. Do you audition? Like, what is the process like? Well, first of all, I think the process is different for everybody because I think that casting casts a wide net and I think they find people a lot of different ways. I think the majority of people are found either through being recommended by somebody who's actively on the show or somebody who's in even maybe in production or the crew that's like, I have this friend, whatever, you know, so there's always referrals. And then right. a lot of times they're just like stalking our our pages, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're always, the eyes are always out there. And then they see the people that we're tagging or hanging out with. Like, I know they've reached out. I listen, I want my friends on this show. I've given them everybody, you uh. know, and it's just <laughs> for whatever reason. And it doesn't even mean, you know, I have really cool, really amazing, really interesting friends, but sometimes it might even be like, but you're a lot like Gina or you're yeah. a lot like this one, or it's just not the right timing, you know? Yeah. So I, it doesn't even mean if you don't get casted that you're not like cool and interesting. It's just sometimes right time, right place. For me, I had nothing to do with this world. Like I literally was like a stay-at-home mom at this point. I worked my whole life, you know, yeah. and then I did stay at home. That's why like working out for me was like my job because I'm not really, I don't idle well. I just don't like get in my head. <laughs> um, and so I keep it moving, you know? And so that became like my thing. And that's how I made friends, you know, community. And I lived in, it's actually really funny because 
when we were moving here, you know, I am from Long Island. I don't say anything right. Like I obviously have this accent. And so I really was like adapting to this environment in general. Um, and I lived in Kodo, didn't even know. I mean, I knew once I actively started to move there, but when I first was telling my girlfriends from home, I'm moving to this place, it's called Kodo de Casa. And I wanted to live there because we, we had uh, gone to a dinner at my ex's boss's house and he lived in Kodo de Casa and his house was incredible. And when we drove in there, the community is actually very flourished. And it, mm. for the first time, reminded me of the East Coast. Yeah. And it spoke to me. And so like, that's why I wanted to live there. And then when I was telling my friends, I'm going to live in this place, my friend Pam, I'll never forget. It was like, shit, Gina, that, that's where the housewives live. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, no. I was like, that's Kodo, number one. And I was like, number two, I always envisioned it to be one horseshoe like I didn't know Kodo was like, like it's a, a massive <laughs> yes that's what, behind a gate like I yeah <laughs> it is this massive community so it's just altered me for a loop and then I was like oh my god and then I remember my girlfriend saying like no like you're gonna you're gonna be the next housewife you know and I was like no like like laughing about it because I'm like yeah okay I'll, I'm gonna be the poor one you know because <laughs> Me and my ex were so young and so lucky just to like even make it through those gates. You know what I mean? Like we were really like this young couple, like, okay, now we're here. We're getting ready to start our life. And then, you know, my friend, I had met my friend Tatiana, who you see on the show sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she's literally like my heart and soul, Tat. She's the best friend anyone could ever ask for, truly. Like she's there for me through everything. And she's my biggest supporter just in life. And her and my friend Sarah. And um Tat was like, but we we became fast friends because she's from New York too. Mm -hmm. But really I'd only known each other for like not that long. And so then all of a sudden she was like, I'm auditioning for Housewives and I and she knew Tamara. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, you know, this is wild to me. This is like a whole nother world. And she's like, I'm auditioning. And I was like, what's an audition? Like, I had no idea. Yeah. And then she did the first thing that they do is, which I think they still do it this way, was via Skype, which now seems like a dated technology. Maybe they've <laughs> modified that, but that's what it was. And so Todd did the Skype and then she got moved to the next interview round. And they contacted her and so before the next round you had to fill out an application it was like a nine page application with all the bullshit about yourself whatever and there was a spot in there that was like if you know anybody else that's interested and there was a spot for three names she put me and two of our friends and wow. they called me and i remember the guy on the phone matt the casting guy who still casts for the show now um he's such a sweetheart he we were he was from the east coast i think that helped me a lot because yeah. a lot of the people <laughs> that are in the industry, in the network are East Coasters. So, you know, you just connect in a different way. And I remember we were laughing, but there is no part of me that ever thought I was going to get on this show, you know? And then they just kept advancing me. And I was like, are you like, do you have the wrong person? <laughs> like I never pretended to be rich. I never yes. lied about my life. Like I never lied about my life. In fact, like I was in my opinion, honest, because like at this point, you know, whatever had happened in my marriage had happened prior, but mm -hmm. like I hadn't shared that with anybody, not my parents, not taught nobody. So like, to me, that was something that I don't handle. And I'm certainly not going to drop my pants to be on some show because that right. wasn't even a part of my world. Right. So 
I just was myself. And I'm telling you, that is that is the best thing you could do. Because if you're yourself and they like that and that's a thing, you're in. And then you never have to work yes. to do to be what you think they want or to be what you pretended to be. Yes. That is the greatest privilege I think that I have in this cast is that. And I think some of the women in the past have actually like resented me for it is that I am free to just be myself. They've only ever asked me to be myself and that's all I've ever done. So it was wild. It was like they called and then two months later, I swear I was on the show and then they offer it to you. And like, it's so wild, but like, you don't say no. Right. It's like, how do you say no? It's like, clearly the universe just handed me something. It did, Gina. Like the fact that you found that neighborhood because it reminded you of the East Coast. Your friend knew Tamara. They were talking to your friend. Like it just, you were your authentic self. And if you were a super fan, like Kodo, oh my God, Vicky Gumbelson, I have to be this. Because you didn't know it, you were just yourself. And people see themselves in you. You don't fit the mold of an Orange County housewife, but that's what's so beautiful about it. And that's why you have staying power. You're not trying to be anyone else. And that is why people gravitate to you. And my life's a little messy, Erin. Everybody's life is messy. Everybody's (laughs) life is messy. Not everyone lives in a house like Heather Dubrow's house. So everyone saw themselves in you. But didn't you have like such imposter syndrome? Like you get cast and then you see the cast. Like, how did you stay authentic. Yeah. I just don't know how not to do that. And I think like, okay, I'll be honest. It's a weird thing. Oddly, like I was comfortable filming like at home with my kids, even though it was like this weird world. Like, I think it's because they were like, just, just, just live, just exist. Right. And I was like, okay, I know, I know how to do that. I'm just going to do that. Right. It felt comfortable. But the first time that I filmed with some of the other women was at Cut Fitness. More therapy in a moment. Now this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to therapy. So we went and I remember being there and I was okay, but I was really nervous because it's, I don't know what the fuck's going on, you know? And then I remember I had met Tamara at this point, like once or twice. And so I was sort of comfortable, but it was still weird. And then I remember Emily walked in. I had no idea she was even on the show or anything. And then Dodd walked in and I was like, I, it was the weirdest thing because like (laughs) I've watched the show before but I watched it like you know a mom where I'm like doing the laundry (laughs) and whatever you know and so like obviously like I was a a fan of the show but like to be honest I was really more of a TLC person too like my 600 pound (laughs) life and all that stuff like hoarders like I can't get enough of it so it was just so surreal so I remember being like I I can't do this I quit but then like you get you get comfortable quickly and then I remember the first 
like all cast event, which I didn't even really know, understand what that was, but I knew I had to be there for this dinner. So like, in my mind, I was just coming to a dinner with women. And if I'm coming to a dinner with women and there's conversations going on, I don't understand, you know, I didn't realize there was like this hierarchy and you, you know, whatever. And it's really like me and Emily have worked really hard to try to eliminate some of that and be very welcoming to like the new people who come in. But at the time it was very much like that. And I remember at the first all cast event speaking up just normal, like I would do anywhere. And I pissed off Vicky, like almost immediately. How dare you speak? I know. (laughs) And, and I was like, I don't, and I remember then I was like, well, I'm just going to do what I would do, which is I just invited her on like a walk or some bullshit that they, you know, they met me where we would go or whatever. But I was like, I want to talk to her about it. And I just put it out there. And I feel like now, like seeing that, like, it's just like being yourself, making your own decisions, like even just feeling free to speak was something that they wanted me not to, you know, but it helped me because you have to get in there and you have to exist and carve out your little spot. I'm not looking to be that center orange or nothing, but certainly, you know, wanted to take up the space that I felt was appropriate to take up. And I think that that's helped me like thrive. But in an authentic way, like there, I'm thinking of certain people on other franchises where they are trying to push a storyline and be relevant and speak up just to have relevance. Like you're just authentically yourself. Like it works. It, it, it shows like you being yourself. You're not trying to be anything else. You're not trying to have a bigger role. And also I'll be honest, like you get like our production is so amazing. And like, so like to a certain extent, like we're all getting kind of like handled, you know, I love that in my life. Like to me, that's like a luxury that I don't get when they go away. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why aren't you figuring out how to get me to the airport? You know, like all of a sudden it's like that to me, that was like a value add, you know? Yes, because you were a mom of three. Yeah. And like, no, you're catering to everyone else. And now someone's handling you. Oh my God. You got this opportunity after I feel like you've even said kind of losing yourself in motherhood. So mm-hmm. this was an opportunity for you to shine. I'm uh, just wondering if there was a shift in your marriage when you stepped into the spotlight, you were a stay at home mom, you moved out there for your husband's job. And now you have this platform. Do you feel like there was any shift there? Or did that cause any friction asking for a friend? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would tell your friend. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that in all honesty, uh, My ex and I had obviously probably what I like, I was trying to repair this damage that was done, but clearly there were so many problems there already. Um, And I wasn't talking to anyone. And I think that that is a big part of it. And that's why like, if anything that I take away or like, feel like if I can contribute something to some people or help in some way, women, especially, but men to whoever, I, I think that the biggest shift for me mentally was that I, I started to open up and I started mm-hmm. to communicate and talk to people where I had this mentality of like, you can deal with it. You can soldier on, bury it. Don't talk about it. You're stronger than that. It's wrong. Right. It's wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. wrong. You, you're, you're, you're stifling yourself. You're killing yourself. You're drowning yourself. You're putting so much weight on yourself. And, and you, it's so much better to release that. You don't have to take advice from everybody and you should be selective about the people you share, obviously a personal business with, but you, 
have to talk to somebody about it. You know, it makes you feel so much better. It makes you feel not alone. And for me, I was carrying all the weight of that and the secrets and all the bad stuff. And then I, it was turning to make me feel bad about myself, you know, no matter how much I worked out, no matter how great I looked, I still felt bad about myself. And it was like, you do get drowned. Even if you have the best marriage, you drown in motherhood. It's exhausting yes. and you're, yes. it's unrewarding for a long time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it just is what it is. It's all work and it's difficult. And, and, you know, I think that when I started to interview and all of a sudden I could see the response in these people and they really liked me and they thought it was interesting and they thought it was funny. And like that, I was like, wait a minute. Like I am interesting. I am funny. And I forgot all that, you know, and I think I lost part of that. It makes me like upset even now because it's a real thing, even without what happened in my marriage. It's something that happens to most mothers. It's not talked about enough. It's a really tough gig, you know, and not everybody gets handed the golden ticket. Like I did. That makes me sad, you know, because I know that, Without this, I had what I thought was very limited options. And maybe it's not like I do think it would still encourage everybody not to stay in something if it's not right for them, but it's certainly a hell of a lot harder. And, and I have these women reach out to me all the time about it. And I almost feel guilty about that because I'm giving them advice and, and what I would think they should do, but it's so, it's so much easier for me to say that on this side of it, you know, like just do what you got to do and get out and da da da. But I know what their options are. I know that they've given up their career and their life for this family and this everything. And now I'm like, okay, but just go, what? You're going to be the the mom that's like the aide at the school and then dad still has all the money. It's hard. It's not easy to walk away from a marriage, especially when you're the one who was not the breadwinner, you know? Girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so everything that you just said, It was different. We were carrying different things, but like I struggled for 10, 15 years with body image, multiple eating disorders. Bulimia was the biggest one. Uh, Just having no self-worth. My husband was in the prime of his career in the NFL. He was shiny. I had no self-worth. So it was like now through therapy, I've realized I aligned myself with him because if he's shiny and I'm his wife then I'm shiny. And I, through therapy, realized I was still carrying all of that shit that I hadn't done, like I hadn't done the behaviors of like, especially with bulimia in maybe 10 years, but I was doing therapy and I wrote my book and I realized I was still carrying it. And until I released it and I released it in a book into the world and it instantly felt lighter, that's when my like evolution began because I say, whatever you're carrying, like you may not be doing it anymore but there is something that maybe is something that happened to you and anyone listening to this, I'll give you a hint. It is whatever you're thinking of right now. If you haven't uh, put that out into the universe, you are still carrying it and that is keeping you small. And as soon as you can kind of work through that, you don't have to write a book, go to therapy, work through it, tell a friend, put it out and drop the shame of it. You start to grow Mm -hmm. and evolve. And then when you grow and evolve and finally see your worth. Like you said, you're going through the interviews. You're like, I am funny. Like I, you kind of lose yourself in motherhood and the shit of life. It's just the shit of life. You feel guilt to like have anything else. It's like, I, when I post 
my whole intention with my platform is to get women to realize their worth, especially after becoming a mom, like you matter too. There are so many moms that get triggered by me and they're like, I am completely happy just being a mom. And there's nothing wrong with just being a mom. And I'm like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but mm -hmm. I did not find per like profound purpose and alignment and doing what I'm doing now and empowering women until I dropped all the shit that I was carrying. And I'm just saying there's more, if you're feeling a little bit itchy, like I love being a mom. I have two kids. I don't want to not be a mom, but I felt like there was more. And I have found that. And I want other people to find that. And I found in my marriage when I grew and evolved to this new version of myself that I feel like is exactly in alignment with why I'm on this planet and I'm not going to stop. That's when my marriage kind of started getting like, he wasn't used to that. Like I obviously didn't end up on reality TV, like as big of a platform as you had. But when I got something, the dynamic shifted and the mm -hmm. more I tried, I started to step into like my value. You're getting work. up. Yeah. Even my mm -hmm. marriage was affected. We were together 18 years and that's when it all kind of started. Now he's retired. Now I've found a career and I will say I stayed at least a year too long trying to keep the family together for my kids. And it was so toxic. Like you tell yourself, like, it's better for them to be, we're, we're a family and we're going to just like stay in one house. And there was one day where I was, I was screaming at him. Like I was yelling, they were in the basement and my two kids come upstairs from their play kitchen with this whole dinner. And they're like, mommy, we brought you this calm down dinner because you're yelling at daddy. And I was like, they feel the toxicity. They feel all of it. And that was the day I was like, you have to go. It's not safe there. It's for not them. better. And it's not a comfortable. Kids. Yeah. It no. never is. It really isn't. Here's what I would say about like all that. So like, I guess, first of all, like regarding self-worth and stuff, like, first of all, well, I will say this shift, you guys are now in it and you're shifting, keeping, I would keep in mind the ultimate goal is not to have one person up and one person down. Right. The ultimate goal is for the two of you to find common ground. That is what is in the best interest of your children, whether you're in a marriage, living together, or you are separate, living apart, whether you are divorced, whether you are co-parenting, you are equal partners in the job of parenting. And that's where you need to get to be, make it the most successful relationship for your children. It has nothing to fucking do with you or him at this point. It has only to do with them. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're fucking up or he's up. If well, one of you is up, your children are further down. That's exactly that's what, what I would say. And if this makes sense, we I enjoy him in this capacity. Like it's as so much better. Me not too. living with like, me. We're great co-parents. Like, yes. Like we were supposed we to be co-parents, not husband and it's wife. Great. That's how I feel too. And then I think that also what I would say about the moms at home who are thriving and living their best life yeah. and love being stay-at-home moms. Usually the thing is, look, my friend Tatiana, she's a stay-at-home mom. She is so good. She's the house manager she works so that is the hardest job no one will ever take that away no yes. one will ever minimize that that job is certainly enough mm -hmm. but tatiana is supported by a wonderful partner who recognizes yes. how hard that job is and treats her such i think that most i would assume most women that are truly fulfilled at home just being stay-at-home moms, and this is an assumption, but I would assume they're attached to partners who help them feel secure and 
good about that because that's the way it should be, you know? And, and if you're not in that situation, then it's like, it, that's what I think that maybe those women can like maybe rec start to recognize a little bit. It's not like insulting the job. It's just, you're reporting to a different type of boss, you know? Oh, and, really. and that that's different. And, and I understand too, what you're saying about like, he was shining and not like, to me, Matt and I met very young. We were in college, right? Yeah. But I rem I literally remember it was like all the girls, everybody. He was so cute and dreamy and whatever. Gave him a good family, and he was a prize. Yeah. And and I wanted the prize. And look, I got the prize. And the prize wanted me. Validation that he wanted you. Yes. Right. And my There's whole marriage. Then I felt like it was like. I got the prize, I got the prize. And then for a long time, even because now socially everything, everybody still thinks, or at least I thought that everybody still th thinks he's the prize, he's the prize. So I was holding on to the fact that I didn't want to let go of the prize. What I stopped recognizing is I'm the prize. Yes, yes. You know, you're the prize. And, and that's okay, you know, and, and in every marriage and relationship, I, you should both be the prize, you know, and you should treat each other like you're the prize. And, and if that's not happening, then you either have to acknowledge that and work on it and, and change and get to that place. And a lot of marriages struggle and they can, or you just have to acknowledge like, look, you don't regard me as the prize. And even like, I think you're a prize because other people think that, but I don't really think that because I don't. Or really you did when you were that, in college. You know? Yeah, when but I now I know college, you're almost 40. I, right. I'm, I'm 42 and I feel like right around 40 is when I finally, I, I want to know the numbers of women who file for divorce in their early 40s. Because I don't feel like you know who you are until at this point, it's like when your kids are kind of getting to the point, you're not like wiping butts anymore and they're kind of independent and you're kind of like, they're at school and you just have more time for yourself and you kind of realize who you are and yeah, it's not a match air. anymore. I was a match for who he was when we got married and he was a mat, he was looking for someone that didn't have a lot of ambition. I was it. And in his yeah. defense, he didn't sign up for this version of me. I know that we were supposed to be together. I don't regret it. I know we were supposed to have our children and right. he was supposed to come into my life. I want him still in my life, which I'm working through in therapy. My therapist is like, I said, I like that. Like, if he still wants to work through something, he calls me because then I know he's good. She's like, maybe he shouldn't still be calling you, but I want to make sure he doesn't have anybody in his life. And we're going to get to that and like going dating and stuff. But for now it was kind of like muddying the waters for a while. Cause I'm like, I'm talking to him and I'm like, Oh, we're getting along. Like maybe we can make this work. But Gina, like there'll be a time where he'll be like, they're doing something at my house. Can, when he has the kids, can we come over for a little bit? And I see him back on that couch and I'm doing everything You're working. and I'm like, this is, this is reality. You miss it. And now because, you got to pay for your own bills. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, I remember this is the problem. Like I'm enjoying him because he doesn't live here. You have to go back to be like, I got clarity that divorce was the right thing. Cause when he would come back and I'm like, no, this is, this is reality. We get along now because he's not living here, but nobody's dating yet. Um, I was first going to ask how, when you're with someone since college, how the hell did you even date? More therapy in a moment. Now this. Guys, I have found the magic. And who would I be to not share that magic with you, my loyal Squats and Margaritas listeners? If you are looking for a little extra something, maybe you're going out with the girls tonight. Maybe you have a date with your husband. Maybe you have a big work event. Maybe you just want to look bomb while you're out on your daily walk. 
you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift is a tightening clay that you just tap wherever you need it. Forehead, those little 11s between your eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes, my crow's feet. You tap it wherever you need it. You let it sit in four minutes and the results last for up to seven hours. Make Rejuvalift the first step in your beauty routine. Even before you put on makeup, I have tried it. I am obsessed. It is magic. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A-L-I-F-T-beauty.com and use promo code margaritas. 20% off, free shipping. You're welcome. Now back to therapy. Me and Matt were separated for like, I feel like it was like a year. You know, it gets harder now with the timelines, but I feel like we were separated for like at least a year. And then we tried to reconcile, which made everything even worse. Um, and then right after, right after that, I met Travis. And I think I needed him in my life at that time. Like, I think he came, I think we needed each other, me and Travis. And, you know, I think... I think that dating is so gross. It's the worst. I hate it. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I'm like, especially here. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm going to die alone and I'm okay with that. You know, and then it's like, and then when you're a mom of young kids, you want time to yourself to be alone. Yeah. I'm fine alone. You just divorced. So you just figured out you weren't happy in a relationship to jump right back into one no. just seems like I just think it's important to stabilize and be okay by yourself like that is or you have to really find somebody who allows you to continue to be yourself and find yourself and grow and evolve like that for me is like one of the biggest um attributes that Travis has is that he loves me for who I am and all of the versions of that and he never tries to like box me in or change me he will give me advice and you know, be there for me and support me. And, you know, if he thinks that I'm really, if I'm going to misstep or whatever, like partners do, they're there for you, but he never tries to change me. And that, that has allowed me to feel properly supported and thrive. And this is nothing against my ex. We just weren't compatible romantically, you know, like I think that my ex and and Brit are great together. You know, I think Brit's so good for my ex. And I think that that works, you know, and if that works, that works. And I'm happy for them because the more that that works, the more happy my kids are, you know? So for me, it's all a plus. And, and that's why it's like, there's such a stigma on divorce. And like you said, you stayed two years too long. And I know this isn't going to like alleviate that because everybody's going to stay two years too long because there's kids and mom in a marriage and scary as fuck. And you don't know if you're making the right decision and you have to live with that decision for a long time. And financially it's very scary. And there's just so many million reasons why you stay until the bitter end, but it's just sucks. Cause it's like, if you just looked at each other and you said, you know what? We had a good run. Yeah. We're not there anymore. And you destigmatize it and, and, and you just allow each other it to be that thing where it's like, well, maybe this was, we were put in each other's path for a reason. We we're supposed to take each other this far. We have made this commitment to our children and we can continue that journey. It's almost like the death of the romantic relationship and the rebirth of the co-parenting relationship. That's how I look at it. And that is an opportunity to like, look, it's like Matt and I, 
we sucked at being married, right? But like, we're really doing well co-parenting. And that's an opportunity to be like, you know what? We were shit at that, but we're really good at this. And this is actually what's more important. You know, you can find love, you can find partnership from anywhere, you know, for if it, if it lasts two years, the rest of your life, whatever. But he will always be the father of your children. You will always be the mother. And that will always be a commitment that you have made to these kids. And the less bullshit that you can involve in that relationship i don't understand how people can continue such to to resist and to fight and to the cattiness and the pettiness i've eaten so much shit at the beginning of it because i knew it was going bad and i i don't regret any of it i would do it again because it's you get to the place where if everybody just lays down their weapons then it's not a fight anymore, you know? And then you can just carry the fuck on. Who wants to carry around all this bullshit for the rest of your life? It is heavy. Hating each other is hard. It is exhausting. It is fucking exhausting. And you don't, guess what? Newsflash to everybody out there who currently hates their ex, you don't have to. I know. You've shown that. You can let it go. Let it yes. go. Let it go. Let and it don't go. respond. Who fucking cares? Don't yeah, respond. Don't if they throw something at you, it's like, just leave it. And Be the duck. Yes. You know, Be the duck and then they'll stop off. throwing it. And then it'll yeah. just, it'll go eat. You have shown that. Like, that's what You're teaching I want. your kids that, right? Exactly. Like, it bully at school. Like, everybody's teaching that. And honestly, because that ex person, the ex that, whether it's the husband or the wife, they're not even like, it's not like they're horrible. Da, da, da. They're hurting. They're hurting and they're grieving and they're, and it's coming out on you and it's not right. And it's not fair, but it, it it's what it is. And if you're both going to act like that, you're never going to get where you got to go. Somebody's got to be reasonable. And you need, I do believe you need two reasonable parents to co-parent there's a lot of situations where one parent just simply is not and then you parallel parent and you do the best you can you can only work with what you work can work with you know but if you can get that person by you standing down if you could get the other person then to stand down and be reasonable like you're giving up the opportunity to have the relationship you always wanted with your ex and your partner why give that up why punish yourself why cut up your nose to spite your face like and really, ultimately, you're just fucking your kids. They're yes. going to have all kinds of problems. They grow up. They blame you for shit. They're going to. Yes. More therapy in a moment. Now this. Now back to therapy. You have a new chance to like get that great relationship just in a different yeah. way. Yeah, Because you're going to the finish line regardless. And you're going with that person. No, will always be in your life. Yeah. Right. And there's not at this point, there's not other people involved yet on either side. Before we get to that, how did you relinquish control when they're with him? Even on little things, like I am such a micromanager, like when he is making their lunches and I know it sounds so small and trivial, but like lack of effort of like how you would do it and what they're used to having. And now they're with dad and dad is kind of doing his dad thing. Like walk me through that. Like, how do you let go of control and just be like, they're with dad Cause it's only been, it's been almost a year for us that he hasn't mm-hmm. lived here. I still am like, when I pick up my son, I'm like, what'd you have in your lunchbox? Like I can't mm. let go of the control and it's to my detriment. I would say that is a personality type probably issue. I am, I'm truly not a control person. I appreciate help. I am <laughs> like you plan the whole trip. 
I'm the person that will come and have fun on your trip that you planned for me. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so I do think there's just like a natural personality, you okay. know, like if that's in you, that's in you. But I will also say like, maybe you can try to make the shift there, you know, to looking at it more like, not like he's not doing a good job or whatever, but like, look at it. Like you're getting help. You're getting free help and you're getting free help from their father who they love and they want to be with. And if you can trust that he is safe, that he's going to keep them alive, yeah, who cares I mean. when they grow up, they're just going to say how much better mom's lunches were. <laughs> you know, it's what not I mean? even so just, it's not even just better. Take the win and move 100%. on. You know what I mean? I hear you. I don't know why I can't like, it's not even just, well, it's, it's hard. Like he's not trying. Like I found out my son needed two snacks for school. He, you know, those like bigger bags, of, not like big bags of shit, but like gas station size, like not little, but like a, he would put in a bag of those Lay's potato chips. That was his snack. So now he needs That's, two snacks, yes. Gina, two bags, two bags. And I was like, this, you're not even trying. And then I'm like, leave it alone. Yeah. My therapist is like, did they eat? Yes. Right. So, but I'm like, he's not even two bags of chips. Like you're be could be better than that. Why do like, they're not better than that. You've, you've <laughs> had this role. You've had this job. I think you need to, you really do need to lower your expectations because yeah. here's the reality of it. He went to work and you went to work at home and you have, you are a professional level master class parent. Right. And I'm not going to say mom, I'm going to say parent, because there yeah. are dads who are masterclass yeah. level parents. Don't expect that somebody who has not been there and has not had the gauntlet and the training and all of the motivation and the drive and, and the years of experience doing this job to all of a sudden come in and not even being trained hands on now. Right. Because you're not there training him. He's True. fucking dropped in the deep end. <laughs> Two bags of chips. You know what? It's fun and it's ridiculous. And let it be fun and ridiculous. Daddy's trying. You know what I mean? He did get it. If he wasn't putting lunch or snacks in the bag, I'd say that's your issue. But yeah. if he's at least doing that, what if right now at the end of all of this, there was some requirement now in this divorce where all of a sudden you had to go and play football? would you do Aaron? So how true. would you do i mean i'd be all do right you even but... know all the rules you've been around it true. it was a part of your life it was a part of your life you are probably you probably know way more than most of people who would be dropped in and having to play football because you it's been a part of your life for so long well guess what that's been a part of his life parenting but he certainly wasn't fucking on uh, he wasn't the quarterback so true you're, you're right. right. Yeah. So don't expect somebody <laughs> to have this level of, of mastered parenting when you've done it. Yeah. I do think that we all do need to grant grace where we can. And I think there's no harm in having that conversation with him and, and even saying, look, it's hard for me to let go of those things. And I want to jump in and I want to be like, you're fucking up the snacks. What are you doing? <laughs> right. You're a moron, you know? Two but, bags of chips, really. Right, yeah. two bags of chips, man. <laughs> but like, I do think that it's an opportunity even for all of these things are opportunities for you guys to become better co-parents. Yeah. That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. And once you start seeing things as opportunities for the two of you to, to get closer together, 
things start to shift and change. This is something that's clearly bothering you. What's the harm in expressing that? I don't think there's any, I have not done this, but I also think that there is a world in which what's the harm in you guys seeing a co-parenting therapist together and bringing up the snacks and don't bring it up in a way where it's like, yeah, accusing. You're, you're <laughs> wrong. Bring it up yeah. in a way where it's like, I'm struggling with this. Yes. Love that. My delivery. This is my right, issue. It's not his issue. Delivery is important. Right. It clearly it is, is my it is, issue. Because Aaron, it is your he's issue. Fine. I know. He's fine. Your kids are being fed. Your <laughs> my, kids are my being fed. like, mom, you're fucking this up. I get two bags of right. chips. Shut up. <laughs> right. Which I think honestly, probably subconsciously, that's probably more of the crux of your issue is that becomes also becomes more of it feels like Disneyland dad. Like, of course, he gets to give them two bags of chips, yeah. but I'm the mom and I'm giving them the carrots and the second apples and they yes. are probably throwing it out. And then he goes to school and he's like, my dad gave me two bags of yeah. chips. That but 100%. End, yeah. Yes. But also the teacher. I don't want the teacher to be like, oh, open up his thing and then see these two, the big bags, Gina, two big yeah. bags of Lay's and be like, it's is absurd. there anyone taking yeah. care of him? Like, I worry right. about that and be like, I was, or yeah. He won't do his hair again. It's not my kids are mixed uh, or biracial. So they have super curly hair. If you don't do anything to it, it is not good. But if you just yeah. spray it and put a little bit, it's like the cutest curl. He doesn't do it. So it's like, yeah. when I pick him up on days that he dropped him off. I'm like, oh, Jesus, when he comes out. And I'm wondering if the teachers are like, I'm like, do his hair. How old is he? How old Five. is he? Five. First of all, there's nothing wrong with then. Okay. If that's something that truly bothers you, like, okay, how are we going to navigate around this? How can we get around this? He's five years old. He's not two. He could start to try to do his own hair. Oh. Start use this now as a, as a catalyst to start to work on your children becoming more independent. They have to anyway, they have to in life. Like it's okay. Like, I think also like where we miss the mark as moms raising our kids is we can communicate to our kids. We can set proper boundaries, even just as a mother. Like my kids know I work very hard and that's mommy's doing this for us. Like as they grow older, like I go for independence. My kids make their own breakfast. My kids clean their own rooms. Like, because that is what they need to become successful people anyway. Yeah. So instead of like, keeping this and like being pissed off about this why don't you just look at it like an opportunity to start teaching your son how to do his own hair he'll feel empowered by it he'll feel good about it he'll go to dad's he'll ask dad to buy him this product yeah. and then in the morning eventually by the time he's six he'll just be doing his own hair and it's not even a problem anymore and you've now made your kid more independent i you truly know? did there's, not consider that making him don't do it, get having stuck. yeah don't Didn't get stuck in anything there is always there is always a workaround. There is always an opportunity. There is always something positive that you could do for either your co-parenting relationship or your children when you meet roadblocks. Yeah. Oh my God. Last thing, speaking of a roadblock, last thing on co-parenting, when there's another person in the mix on both sides, you see it as a unit. Like you guys, I see it when you guys went to the picnic on the show, it's goals. It's like exactly what obviously I would want but you admit like you came in kind of hot when Britt was like, come over and see my house. And you're like, I, I cannot did. even imagine yeah. my kids being with another woman. And then that being their mom during the time that they're there, talk me through that. And anybody else that's dealing with maybe they're co-parenting now and there isn't someone coming in yet. Like, what have you learned on how to make that process like a little smoother because you guys are yeah. thriving in what you have now. Yeah. Okay. I'm jumping in and stopping it here. 
This is part one, Gina Kirschenheider, Real Housewives of Orange County. She has dropped so many gems and there are more gems to be dropped, people. On part two, we talk co-parenting when there's a new relationship in the mix. And we also get into her and my sobriety. Next week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Gina Kirschenheider, part two. Thank you for showing up to your weekly dose of therapy, formerly Squats and Margaritas, but honestly, when's the last time I talked about fitness and I'm really not even drinking anymore. Therapy seemed like a natural evolution to this podcast. I will continue to bring you raw, authentic, vulnerable conversations so that you feel seen and less alone. If you got anything out of this episode, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. And I'll see you next week for your weekly dose of therapy.